0: Welcome to Coles on the Coast, the podcast where we talk about riding the waves of su- sustainability, preparedness, and living the small homestead life. I'm Jessica. I'm Charlie. And today we are going to be discussing small engine repair. So, Charlie, how long have you been working with ch- small engines?
1: Well, I originally got started um, working with my uncle when I was... I don't know, 12, 13 years old, just kind of hanging around his place because he runs a small engine shop in Florida. And as time went on, I started working for him a little bit more as I got older. And then, I mean, I was always somebody that was mechanically inclined and just wanted to do, just figure out what made things work. And it's just kind of that interest and the, Experience is what kind of got me into it.
0: Okay, so you enjoyed it mm-hmm. whenever you'd go visit or whatnot. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Yep. Whenever you didn't you do more with him and actually work with him in college?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, on the weekends, not really a whole lot to do on a Saturday because they're only they're only open for like four or five hours. But yeah, I would go each Saturday each weekend to their house and work on projects at the shop with them.
0: Okay. So you learned a lot from him then. hmm Awesome. So what are some of the most important things to consider when owning your own small engine?
1: Um, well, if you're going to have a small engine, whatever, you know, mower, handheld tool, uh, golf cart anything, you want to make sure that you've got a place that you can store it out of the weather. Because in a lot of cases, a mower being stored in the weather is what will cause it to completely fail. Whether that's gas getting water in it, or if it's, you know, certain components become corroded because it's been exposed to moisture. You know, that's the main thing that you want to consider. You also want to consider... If you'll be able to either maintain it or transport it to somewhere that can be maintained, right? You don't want to go and buy a golf cart that, you know, the dealer is a hundred miles away. And once you get it to your house, it's there and you can't do anything about it, Mm -hmm. right? You you want to keep that in mind. And then um, another thing would be what fuel does it run off of? And can you get good fuel near you? Right, because if it runs on propane, you want a good source of propane that you can go and easily exchange so you're not having to spend a whole lot of money. And then you also, if it runs on gasoline, you want to know that you're in some, in a neighborhood that you can actually have more than, like, a couple gallons of gasoline. Because mm-hmm. some covenants nowadays, they've got it where you can only have, like, 10 gallons of gas. And okay. let's say you've got a four-wheeler or a golf cart and it runs on gasoline, it's going to take a lot more than 10 gallons, you know, and
2: mm-hmm.
1: if you don't want to go to the store every couple of days or every few weeks, mm-hmm. right, you want to have at least a little bit on hand.
0: So that would be really important for something like a generator or something, yeah. for example.
1: Yeah, because if you have a generator and only five gallons of gas, it gets you not even eight hours of generating power. But if you have a generator and 20 gallons of gas, they can get you almost two days.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And that makes a big difference down here, especially mm. where you're probably going to be out, out of electricity for a while.
1: Yeah. Especially if you've got freezers or you know anything important like that. Something where you have to leave it on a lot.
0: Yeah. Okay. So just to kind of summarize, when you're getting started looking at a small engine, you want to make sure that you have a plan and a place to store it. You want to make sure that you plan, have a plan for maintaining it and that you can actually have the equipment to run it. So, like, your fuel for it or whatnot. Yeah. Okay, great. So, what most often goes wrong for most small engine appliances? This might be more specific. Like, you might have to go into specific things, but...
1: No, not really. Most often, it's just bad gas. Ah, I mean, there's the, you know, the Sling Blade movie, if you've ever seen that, you know, he talks about how there's no gas in it. Mm -hmm. Most cases are bad gas kind of scenario. Okay. And that goes for big engines, that goes for small handheld stuff, like, you know, string trimmers and blowers. If the gas is not good, if it's old and oxidized, it has lower octane. So when the spark lights off, It doesn't want to catch. Mm -hmm. It's like trying to burn cooking oil, right? Mm -hmm. You have to do a lot. You have to get that real hot and kind of exploded real good (laughs) to get that burn. You know, it takes a lot of energy to do that. And that startup energy that you're putting into the mower is not big enough to try to catch something so low in potential energy on fire. Mm -hmm. So that usually ends up being the thing. And hopefully, now, I will say, sometimes, if you've got bad gas like that, maybe it's not actually that the gas is bad, but that they've used a stabilizer that's a little bit gunky, Mm -hmm. like Stable brand stabilizer. It kind of stains the gasoline to where it's yellow looking, so it looks like it's bad, Mm -hmm. and it smells like it's bad, but it's still got good um, octane to it. But sometimes it can, because it doesn't want to crank, because it's got that stable in it, right? It's just it changes the the way the gas works. Sometimes you get the the spark plug fouled out. So sometimes you just change that spark plug out. Mm -hmm. And that may be easier to do if you suspect it may be gasoline, you know, but you go, well, it's not that old. Change the spark plug out, and then sometimes you get it to where it hits off and goes.
0: Okay. So that could be a good plan of action if you think it might be that. You just get keep you some extra spark plugs on hand.
1: Yep, for whatever you got. And then if it doesn't seem like it's running, pull it out and look at it. If it looks like it's clean, it's probably clean. If it looks fouled out and it's got gasoline on it and doesn't seem like it's doing anything, swap it out. Because that could, that could make the difference.
0: Okay, cool. So, say I've got some small engine and... It won't start. What should I do?
1: Well, let's go back to that, what we were just talking about. Look at your spark plug. Mm -hmm. If the spark plug looks good, then you're good. If the spark plug looks bad, swap it out. Then if it doesn't start, we got to start looking at your fuel system. You know, how old is the fuel that you've been using? Is it something that you bought at the beginning of the season with the intention of using it throughout the season, or are you one of those people that are go get five gallons, use it within a month, and then go get another five gallons? And that's important because, depending on the gasoline that you buy, if you buy ethanol gasoline, it goes bad in about three months. Oh, wow. If you buy non-ethanol, it goes bad in about six months. okay and that's I don't remember the statistics on this exactly my general rule of thumb is doubled those numbers so six months for ethanol gas and then one year for Mm non-ethanol but that's with using a stabilizer like StarTron and StarTron is an enzyme stabilizer and it keeps ethanol gas from hitting what's called phase separation where it sucks in moisture from the outside air and then the alcohol that's in it kind of falls out of suspension and you get this kind of just mix of water and alcohol and gas that doesn't have enough power to run anything um but that you know if your spark plug's not good then look at your gas if your gas is old then you're going to want to drain your gas tank out and then put fresh in there and I know that's a pain because there's no real good way to get rid of gasoline. and It's always, you know, trying to drain stuff out. It's always a problem. But there's no real way to restore gasoline. You know, the special mechanic in a bottle restores the gasoline kind of products that exist. All they are are fuel stabilizers. They're not gasoline restorers. They don't actually. There's no way to restore something to its former octane. Once it's contaminated and oxidized, it's pretty much gone. Okay. Um, If you drain your tank out and put fresh gas in it. Alright, I almost made a very big mistake right there. Uh Oh. (laughs) You don't want to drain out old gasoline and then immediately pour new gasoline in. Okay. Because sometimes, depending on what gasoline is and how oxidized it is, That mixture of new and old can cause that old gasoline to actually create crystals. It'll precipitate. Mm. So you want to drain the tank and you want to drain the carburetor. Okay. You want to do both those things before you add any more gasoline to the system. Some carburetors have a little petcock on the side and you can just unscrew that nut. And drain the carburetor out some you just have to take the whole bowl off the bottom depending on your equipment and this and we'll get to this in a second mm-hmm. you may or may not have enough clearance without pulling the whole carburetor off so when you're looking at equipment and I guess I should have said this and the what to consider when having when you have your own small engine Consider how easy it is to maintain the equipment Because if it's if everything's tight and you can't get in there and you can't like take the carburetor bowl off so that you can drain the fuel for winter or You know the air filter doesn't want to come off easily or the oil Filter is in a weird spot that you have to have a special tool. It costs a hundred dollars to remove you know you want to look, take all that into consideration when you're buying a mower because, or I say mower, mower, handheld tool, any, any of this, it's all interchangeable. You want to make sure that you've taken that into consideration because when it comes to actually doing maintenance and doing home maintenance on it, mm-hmm. the easier it is to repair, the better off you're going to be.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I mean, it's easier to get it done if you can do it yourself, right? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So I've looked at my spark plugs or changed them out, and they're fine. And I've looked at the gas. I've drained it and the carburetor. And then I guess I put new gas in.
1: Yep. All put, right. Put new gas in. And then as long as the carburetor hasn't been clogged by any of the, any rust or corrosion or water, you should get the motor started. It should be pretty straightforward at that point.
0: So I guess the only other thing would be like if the battery is bad or something like that. It might would still Yeah, show but you it.
1: would you would know that cuz I mean, obviously it's a battery. If mm-hmm. the engine doesn't turn over, it usually is the battery. Gotcha. Right. Okay. I mean, I, I shouldn't be I probably shouldn't be as shallow as I am about that. But batteries are batteries. That happens more often than not. Especially mm-hmm. nowadays. The battery quality, for some reason, has just dropped off the edge of the earth. Mm-hmm. And you cannot get... I can't get a good battery for anything.
0: Yeah. Sorry. a lo- Most of our appliances around here, it seems like we can't keep a battery for more than a year. Mm-mm. And that's even with us trying to get a better one.
1: Yeah. That's about it. It's one year.
0: That's crazy. Especially when you think of how much they are. So, when it comes to maintenance... Maintenance on your small engine. Maintenance. If you didn't hear that the first time, what's most important?
1: Um, one make you know make sure that your carburetor is easily accessible because that's something that you're you're gonna want to mess with that sooner or later, and you want it to be out in the open rather than being hidden up behind a baffle, right? Some mowers. You may have an exhaust that's close to the carburetor, so they'll put a shield around it to keep the heat from moving from the exhaust over to the carburetor, but now you've got a physical barrier in the way, and there's bolts on both sides of it, and once those bolts get rusty and corroded because they get hot from the exhaust, mm-hmm. you can't take it off, and now you can't access the carburetor easily, mm. right? I've got one sitting out here that has that same issue. Okay. You know, I would take the carburetor part and see if I could clean it out. But I've got a bunch of bolts that I've got to figure out where they're at and not break them off.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Um, another thing is ease of use in changing your mower blades. If it's a mower. Same thing for, like, string trimmers. How easy is it to change the, the trimmer or the, the string? most string trimmers are pretty easy. You either have where you slide one piece in or you slide a, you know, a bump head where you preload a bunch of string and you bump it every time that you need to dispense some more. The lawnmowers, I used to recommend snappers, snapper rear engine riders, because you can take those and you just, they're Kind of heavier on the back end, mm-hmm. and they've got two rails on the back, so you can pick them up by the front axle and you set them up on their back, and you can easily access the blade. You can swap it out. You mm-hmm. can change, you know, any wear component on that. You can change out in it in thirty minutes.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: But Riggs and Stratton has recently announced that they're discontinuing a Snapper in the U.S. Yeah. So I mean, if you can still, if you can find one. They're decent mowers, they're still going to support with parts and whatnot because they're mm-hmm. still selling them in Europe. But those are the most easy to repair. Okay. Bigger mowers, the only issue is is that you run into the fact that the spindles for the blades, they're not, you, you can't oil or grease them. Um, the blades are hard to get off because, of course, you've got a deck that's got two blades on it and you have to pull the whole deck out. I mean, Mm -hmm. some people, they get those jacks and you can run your mower up on the jack and kind of, it's like a, it's a long, uh, it's a screw jack is what they call it. And you you turn this big screw and it raises the platform so you can get up underneath it and change it out. But it's always, I always see it as being better to pull the deck off because one, you're getting to see the state of the pulleys the state of the spindles, the state of the belt.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. You get to see all of it at one time. If you need to get something else, you know what you need to get, and you can leave your project where it's at, go get the parts that you need, come back and finish it off. Gotcha. Rather than just changing the blades, getting on it, and then your belt breaks.
0: Yeah, that would be terrible.
1: Right. Um, What was the question again?
0: (laughs) Well, we were talking about... Maintenance, um, right? Maintenance, yeah. What What's... The ease of changing the blades or the string in con- an item.
1: Yeah, but it was consideration of how to do maintenance when...
0: Yeah, when it comes to maintenance, what's most important. Okay, yeah. So you were telling us how... Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, what's most important with maintaining your small engine? Oh, I thought... Oh. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, same thing. Yeah. Carburetor, blades, um, oil, eh. It's never fun to change oil. Mm. Most mowers have the stupid little, where you're supposed to turn it a half turn one direction, or quarter turn one direction to unlock the spigot. Then you pull it, and it opens the flow. But you gotta have a hose to plug onto the end of it, or you get oil everywhere. I mean, uh-huh. oil is just one of those things. But that's pretty much it. As long as your carburetor is accessible, and your blade and belt and pulleys are all pretty much easily accessible, and then, like transmission stuff, right? If you got a hydrostatic, make sure that it's something that you can find where the the reservoir is to add more hydraulic fluid to it, or if it's like a snapper. Make sure that you know where the the drive disc is. Of course, snappers are easy to work on because they're designed to do that. But, I mean, some of these bigger zero turns, they're impossible to work on transmission-wise because you've got big reservoirs of hydraulic fluid, you've got a bunch of different hoses, and you've got these special hydraulic motors that are running those wheels. So, I mean, yes, it's a $6,000 machine, and yes, it's got suspension on it, but you're going to have to have somebody look at that that actually knows what they're doing. Yeah. And that could be a costly thing if one of those was to go out. Okay. So, I mean, that that's another thing.
0: But going back to the oil, like, is oil one of those things that you can just let it completely run out of oil? Or should you... No. Especially for, like, a mower, I guess is what I'm thinking. Or, yeah. or anything. Is it all the same?
1: You don't want to let it run out of oil. And it's not exactly... The same for handheld stuff some you have four cycle handheld equipment but most of it's two cycle so you're mixing oil in with the gasoline so you don't have an extra thing to deal with there but on the like the mowers and whatnot you want to top that oil off you want to the good rule of thumb is to check it every time you use the, the machine that way you always have an idea as to where your oil level is um, and then another good rule of thumb is to always change it, you know, at the end of the season before you put it up for winter or right after you pull it out from being winterized. Okay. Um,
0: so just getting that habit of checking it every time you use it really.
1: Yeah. Cause once, once you've run out, you're done, mm. right? There's nothing on that engine that says, Hey, shut me off. I'm out of oil. It's not a generator, and not even all generators have that function. So once you're, once you're out, you're out, and the engine doesn't know any better, and it just keeps going until it locks up. Okay. So.
0: So is it, is it like our bodies when they lock up? It's really hard to get them going again? Or is it just done when it's locked up? Well,
1: it's just done. It's welded itself together at that point.
0: Oh, okay. So that's important then. Is there there anything else that we really need to think about every time we use our machine?
1: Uh, no. Well, not that I can think of.
0: So, like, a chainsaw, though. I guess you you did talk about ease of changing things. Like, how, or really anything with a blade. Like, how often do you have to plan
1: to change a blade or sharpen a blade? I mean, relatively often. Chainsaws, they're designed for that. Uh, a lot of the bigger brands like Husqvarna I guess steel is like this too but they've got the, the easy remove um, blade housings so instead of having to use a wrench you can actually like fold out this little plastic piece and then screw the whole thing off and then you've accessed the blade easily. The chain you know the Chainsaws, you've got a bar, and then you've got a chain. It's not a blade, necessarily. The cheaper ones, like the Poulan's and the... Um, I don't know. I don't even know any other cheap brands. <laughs> but the, like, the Poulan's or Poland, whatever you call them, they've got bolts. And those bolts are what's holding it on there. And then you got to actually, like, loosen the... you got to have the right tools to take that off. So if you're let's say hurricane cleanup. Mm-hmm. You want to carry a whole toolbox with you or would you rather just carry the machine that's got features built in so you can maintain it while you're out?
0: Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but. All right. So when I'm going to maintain my own equipment, because I'm going to have to, that's part of having equipment, what are some of the most important tools that I'll need to keep in order to be able to maintain it?
1: Okay. This is something that I've been thinking about for a while because I do my mobile small engine stuff and I have my large toolbox, which right now is sitting outside. <laughs> I gotta remember to put it away when we're done. Um, but, you know, what are the most used tools that I've got? Mm-hmm. And uh, I've kind of figured out a good socket set that ranges from, I don't know, a three-eighths up to a half-inch in the standard sizes, mm-hmm. Imperial, and then that ranges from like the 8mm to 17 or 19mm in the metric size. So both. Yes. Oh. Because depending on what machine you've got, it'll either have ten millimeter bolts and some three eighths or five eighths, or it'll have some eight millimeter bolts and some one half inch stuff.
0: Oh man, that's annoying.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It goes back and forth, there's no real rhyme or reason. They just used a hardware that fit the fit the bill the best that they had. Right? You can approximate between like and I, I did this yesterday. I had a thirteen millimeter wrench, I had a half inch bolt. Well, half inch is twelve point seven millimeters. So it's almost a thirteen, but there's just enough play in it that if you were to put a little bit too much force on it, it would actually roll over and round the the nut off. Oh wow. Um so you'd need a little bit of both. Whether or not you need a three-eighths or a quarter-inch drive or a half-inch drive ratchet depends on what you can find, right? Mm -hmm. Always make sure that you've got at least 1,400 10 millimeters. (laughs)
0: 1,400?
1: Because those will disappear. Ah. You use them so often, they're always on the end of extension, they're always on the thing, on the ratchet, and so when you go to putting stuff up, they're always going to get left.
0: Gotcha. Um, so is that the dirty Santa present every time you go somewhere?
1: That's just the present for every dad. (laughs) That's, that's the thing. What do you get the man that has everything? Is a 10 millimeter socket because he (laughs) never has a 10 millimeter socket.
0: Ah, okay.
1: Get him two or three. That way he's got one at least until he gets it out to the shed. Right. (laughs) Um, you want a good screwdriver, uh, The Milwaukee, like 11 and 1, I think is what they're called. Those are actually really decent drivers. They've got Flatheads and Phillips in two different sizes. They've got some Torx and um, Robertson uh, square, the Robertson bits. And then if you pull the bits out, you've got a quarter-inch driver. If you pull the quarter inch driver out you've got like a 3 8 anyway it's kind of nested together you've got multiple tools it's a good all around screwdriver mm-hmm. and then if you're using small handheld equipment you want to make sure that you've got some carburetor adjustment tools the secret ones that you're not a long time ago mm-hmm. at least several years ago they weren't available readily You had to like find them on eBay from these, you know, people that Mm -hmm. questionable sellers on eBay. What? But now you can go on Amazon and buy a whole set of fourteen, and therefore adjusting all the carburetor screws. Oh. And the reason why the you couldn't find them is because the EPA has regulations set based on the results that are given to them for that particular adjustment. Okay. So in the factory, they adjust it to the certain thing. It puts out this many emissions and that's what the EPA registers as being the emissions for this machine. You're not supposed to take and readjust the carburetor because it can change the emissions mm. and so then make it non-compliant. Gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's where there's a whole... Like, kind of taboo over, and I think they kind of happened, uh, they kind of lessened after the, you know, the Trump era. Yeah. But, I mean, I can find them on Amazon now, I find a whole set, and we'll put a link. But, you, you want to be able to adjust your carburetor, you want to be able to unscrew stuff, and you want to be able to unbolt stuff. Okay. And that's pretty much it.
0: If you're having a hard time unbolting something, is there something that can help with that?
1: Uh, well, alright, so there's two things, uh, and, and this is kind of a you want to have an adjustable wrench that's at least small enough to fit into the nooks and crannies, like for a battery, right? Because you want something to mm-hmm. hold one nut down while you can back out the the bolt, and then maybe if you needed to be large enough, just look around, find you a nice adjustable wrench that fits what you're working with and then for things that are stuck where they can help
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Ballastol or um, this new Gibbs stuff that I've got or um, torque CB and I haven't tried the torque CB yet but it's torque corrosion blaster I think is what it's called but it's a, a you know, penetrating oil Right, because you don't want to get into a a tough spot and then not be able to take anything off. But either one of those three will do fantastically for trying to get a stuck fastener off. Okay. Maybe more, you know, one more than the other, but any of them will work.
0: Gotcha. So, Charlie, what should I do when I'm done for the season and I'm putting my mower up for the winter?
1: Alright, so the, this is the... I mean, in the south, we don't really have winter. But we have that period of not doing anything because it's too cold outside.
0: Well, like the grass dies enough where you don't have to cut it all the time.
1: <laughs> I know. It's but, not going
0: to be covered in snow.
1: I mean, there's there's the there's the point in time that we quit riding the mower for at least a, a month or two. Right? <laughs> yeah. And we want to make sure that we... Drain the gasoline out of the carburetor. I don't care if you've got it in the tank. Mm -hmm. Um, Best thing to do would be to, before the season starts, install a shutoff switch between your tank and the carburetor. That way, every time you get off the mower, you can shut the gas off, that one that saves wear and tear on your float and your needle valve, because you don't have this constant pressure flowing into the carburetor. Two, it gives you the ability to kind of. It's not really going to make the tank airtight, but it gives you a little better um, control over how much air is getting to the gasoline in your tank. Because if you have it open straight to the carburetor, well, there's a lot of openness in a carburetor mm-hmm. that can kind of flow back into the tank if not everything is perfect in the carburetor so the more airtight you can get the tank the better off you'll be so fuel shut off valve would be great but so when it comes to winter you shut off that fuel valve drain out the carburetor Um, you can check your oil and change it if you want to Um, now would be a good time to say let's take the blades off and sharpen them Um, you don't even have to put them back on you know, take take the deck off and clean it out and kind of set it up, grease all the fittings on it, take the blades off, sharpen them, put them back on the deck, and get get it ready so that when you go to start it in spring, you can pull the mower out, start up, and let it run for a little bit, drain your oil out, change it, throw the deck back on, put a new belt on it, and then run with it.
0: All right. That way you don't have to think about a whole lot, huh? Yep. Okay cool so if we're gonna keep that gas in there do we need to put us some type of stabilizer in there then uh-huh. did you just say that
1: Yes <laughs> well I mean not just now but earlier like I said I use startron just because I know it works I mean I've had gas so anecdotally I can say that Startron works better than any stabilizer I've used. Because I had gasoline that was purchased in 2020 for Hurricane Sally Mm -hmm. that sat around for two years in a garage, not been used, not even remotely sealed, Mm -hmm. given to me last August or so. I put StarTron in it, and I've used almost every bit of it up. Yep. Every bit. Yeah. I think I've even left it out in the rain, left it out in the open. I have not had any issues with any of the gasoline. And I don't even know if it's ethanol free or not. Yeah. I think when it came to it, the people that were getting gasoline for us were just getting whatever Whatever they could find. Whatever they could get, yeah. But... It still worked, and I haven't had any issues with it.
0: Yeah, I've been pouring that in the mower when I go to mow.
1: And I use the StarTron. As soon as I got that stuff here to the house, I put StarTron in every single 5-gallon container. All right. So, I mean, it works. But, yeah, that'd be something good, too. You know, make sure that you're dosing your gas when you buy it with a high-quality stabilizer. Then you're not going to have to worry about it quite as much. Okay. we it in your tank.
0: Great. Any other final thoughts or...
1: Um... Summarizing that you want to do? Don't ask me about good mower recommendations because the two that I recommended are now defunct in the U.S. <laughs> Simplicity and Snapper. They're, they're gone.
0: You're, you're going to have to come up with the... A- a new one
1: Yeah, um, don't buy mowers from Home Depot <laughs> for $2,000 because they're not worth the $2,000 at all um, if you're going to buy a mower and you need to finance it find a reputable dealer you know it may be a Husqvarna it may be a bad boy it may be whatever the the brand is that they have if you can go and find one that's a comparable price to what's at Home Depot, go to a dealer. The big box stores will do you wrong every time, and they're not worth the money they're purchased with.
0: Mm. Alright, good advice.
1: Plus, after the after-sale service, you get a lot better service, because now you're a customer that has paid a bunch of money to a dealer. They're more likely to give you... Better customer service whenever you come to have your mower repaired. Okay. Home Depot, they don't owe you nothing.
0: Yeah. Might right. not even be the same people when you go back. Exactly. Well, they have to take anything back that you want to take back. That's Lowe's. Oh, that's...
1: Okay, that's Lowe's.
0: But you don't want to take a mower back. Like, you want to be able to buy it and be done. Like, you don't want to take it home and have a problem. That would be an issue.
1: Yep. okay yeah.
0: well I think this has been a good conversation um, if you're listening and you have any other questions about small engines, Charlie how can they reach you?
1: well um, they can call Charlie Small Engines um, they can visit the website com forward slash charlies small dash engines mm-hmm. so you can fill out a form to ask me for a quote and then I'll gladly get in touch with them.
0: But if it's just a listener from somewhere else, they can also contact you?
1: Yes, they can also contact me. That's why I don't give my phone number on this. Because, of course, people from Canada, Arizona, e- everywhere else in the United States listens to this podcast. And if you're local, you probably see my card around. You can call my phone number. If you're you know following me on Facebook or on Nextdoor, you can always call me. No problem. But if you're from across the country and you need to just ask a general question about small engines, you can send me an email on the contact page at colesonthecoast.com.
0: Alright. Well, I think this has been fun. Um, if, if you want to support us, you can always, like he said, call, contact him for small engine repair. I do music lessons. You can contact me through the website if you are interested in that. Also, we um, our Amazon affiliate link um, and if you purchase anything through Amazon through our links, we just get a little kickback. So, consider doing that.
1: Don't forget the Buy Me a Coffee.
0: Oh, we have, buy, yeah, we have a Buy Me a Coffee on our website. So, if you want to just kind of give us a little boost, you can go give us 5 $10 off that. And as always, if you like the content that you hear here, please consider subscribing to us on your preferred podcasting network. It helps other people find us as well and give us a review. Yep. With that, I think we'll call it a day. You guys have a wonderful week.